Welcome into episode 39 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again by my friends Travis Graff and David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. Travis, what's going on, man? How are you? Just, you know, trying to piece together some stuff after the uh, Matt Harms news that leaked last night, so... Uh, yeah, that's that's currently where we're at. Yeah, David, uh, how are you? We're going to do the sequel <laughs> post Matt Harms. We did a pre Matt Harms, so I hope this is as good as the Godfather Part Two, <laughs> or <laughs> Naked Gun Two and a Half. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. If it could be as good as Naked Gun Two and a Half, this is going to be it's like the greatest. Great show ever. Well, that's that's what we're hoping for. We know this is going to be entertaining and just absolutely riveting stuff. Um, yeah, Matt Harms is going to BYU. Uh, he's turning down the Kentucky Wildcats to play for Mark Pope and the Cougars. Um, what a freaking turn of events it has been. Not not even necessarily a turn of events, but just a a you know eleventh hour heel turn. You know, surprise out of left field. Uh, I mean, and let's put it all out out on the table right now. We said I said this last night on Cats Illustrated, and Jack and I have talked about it, David as well. I don't think there was a flip here, yeah, at all. I don't think that this was a flip. I think that it was a disconnect between information that was coming out from around Kentucky's program, d- trickling down to people like us, and then I don't I don't think it was ever Kentucky. Yeah. So let's let's jump right into the timeline of the whole thing and kind of how we got to where we got last night. Um, so he Matt Harms submits his name into the NCAA transfer portal on April sixth, and almost immediately, everybody and their mother says, "Oh, that's Kentucky. Kentucky, you know, the, Kentucky has him locked up. He's a, he's a, the perfect fit for this team. You know, seven foot three." They need a big man to replace, you know, UK's losing Nick Richards, uh, EJ Montgomery, and Nate Sestina in the front court. They need somebody to replace all of those options. Um, and, you know, what better way to, to replace them than with a, a guy that played in the Big Ten? You know, I think he started like 70 games or something over the course of his three years at in, at Purdue. So he has a ton of experience, played in the, in, a, in Elite Eight, Um you know, I mean, it was a match made in heaven. Kentucky needed a guy like that, and w- from his eyes, if you're going to transfer away from a school like Purdue, why not go to a big spotlight type school at Kentucky where you could, you know, he said he wants to show off his NBA ready skill set. Why not show it off, you know, under Kenny Payne at at Kentucky? It seemed like a, a perfect fit. So Davion Mintz, the week of Davion Mintz com- Mintz's commitment, uh, people within the Kentucky program thought not only was Davion Mintz locked up, that, but they also thought that by the end of the following week, it wasn't a done deal at the time, but by the end of the following week, that Kentucky would be able to lock up Matt Harms. There was a lot of optimism within the program that they had found their two guys to add to the roster and ultimately you know, bring, bring the, whole, the whole roster to a close. Um, and then leading I mean the last week people kind of expected there were those rumblings that that he was going to make a commitment going into this past this past weekend uh that that came and went people were going oh maybe he's going elsewhere uh the Gonzaga rumors kind of came out the Arizona rumors came out it was a surprising final three and then even as of Tuesday Kentucky thought that they had him locked up so that's kind of where we're gonna take over um Real, what real quick, a quick note on the Gonzaga stuff, at least. I never heard anything Arizona-related that was really concrete, but the Gonzaga stuff seemed to have some legs to it. And something David and I tried to do on House of Blues, we bring in all the info from every angle, every slant, every smokescreen, and I think that we can classify the Gonzaga stuff as a smokescreen. I think that- I'll add this, though. Uh, the individual that I spoke with has direct access to the coaching staff relationship. And I'm probably sharing some behind the scenes stuff and everything he told me, he's not into sports media. He's not even involved in basketball. Uh, He just kind of knows what's going on there. And 
so everything that he shared with me had been shared in private conversation. And here's what I think. He did tell me that there are some moving pieces in a roster that have to be taken care of at Gonzaga. Uh, I think that moving piece turned out to be Philippe Petrosev. And now you see that he has not left yet, or I've not seen an announcement where he's left the program. So either A, he's not going to do that. So that, and now we said if, if they don't make this move, then they're not going to get him. So um, that happened. And then you see uh, either that or Harms got tired of playing the waiting game with it. And obviously said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and do this. So uh, uh, I, I don't I don't know that it was a, a smoke screen. I just don't think the roster issue worked out. Well, see, what I was told was after that weekend that uh, Jack was talking about past that the confidence was starting to the that some people around the Kentucky program were less confident the longer that this went on. And then I found out Wednesday or uh, Tuesday night that it was going to be Thursday yesterday that he's going to announce. It. So whenever he he released his final three. People around the Kentucky program were thinking, "Hey, like we're the we're the consistent here. We're we're the uh, we're the um, we're pretty much just the uh, consistent team here between all of his lists." And I think that made their confidence grow some more. And then I'll let Jack tell kind of what's going on behind the scenes with the Kentucky stuff, where the Kentucky like really strong Kentucky steam came from. That ended up being there was a disconnect there, like I said earlier. But I think that. All this comes down to was Matt Harms is a unique kid and the way that he was – I don't think he ever gave Kentucky 100% guarantee that he was going to be a lock to Kentucky, but I think that he gave them optimism. And after conversations with him and then whenever they were on the final three and that final three was off the wall, the other two choices from what they were expecting, then I think that that made the optimism grow some more. Yeah, so Tuesday was a big day for Kentucky because there was, I mean, I believe Monday night was when all the Gonzaga talk kind of came out. And then Tuesday, I believe Jeff Goodman was the first person to come out and say, I believe the two leaders right now are Kentucky and Texas Tech, and BYU is kind of seen as the dark horse right now. And I think by playing, and then not long after that, Harms officially cut his list to three and then announced that he's going to make that decision on Thursday. Um, and I think with BYU seen as the dark horse, they kind of didn't necessarily eliminate them internally, but I think they knew they had I Texas. I think it started a narrative. Yeah, I think, I think UK thought they had Texas Tech beat. So I don't know if they just assumed that it was a done deal or, or whatever, but there were strong strong rumblings inside the program that that UK had a press release ready to go that there were quotes from coach Cal ready to come out like it was a level of confidence that it was a done deal and that's not saying Matt Harms informed them directly that's not what we were saying ever uh from from our level of confidence but for whatever reason Kentucky felt confident enough to have and shoot it might have just been the fact that they were you know preparing for the you know for the possibility of of any addition maybe they do that for all kids but there was a press release written with quotes ready to be published on Thursday when the announcement came out and that led to a lot of the internal I mean the, connecting the dots from okay the Kentucky coaching staff thought that it was the, the confidence was very very high the week of Davion Mintz's commitment. They said, that's our guy. We're going all in. It was Joel Justice and Tony Barbie attacking it all at the same time. Um, you know, they, you know, I believe, David, you had quotes from Matt Harms that said that the UK did a phenomenal job painting the picture of what it would be like to play at Kentucky and, and what the facilities were like, what the, you know, all of the insides and outs during all this, this coronavirus stuff. They painted that picture of the program as best as they could humanly do I mean they did a phenomenal job with that um so the the confidence was high back then it it never wavered the entire week after that and then there was there were rumblings that he was going to commit last Friday I don't we we said that on the the 
podcast we've since scrapped that we don't know where that came from. We where somebody somebody came out and said, "Oh, this commitment's going to happen on Friday." People were kind of taking that and running with it. We never confirmed any of that. It was more so, okay, UK thought that they were going to be able to close the deal, you know, close the deal by then. Putting two and two together, okay, this guy is randomly putting out this Friday date. It would make sense if you're putting two and two together that it could theoretically happen. That nobody ever confirmed that Friday was happening. Harms never said that that was happening. Like it was never a legitimate option. That weekend came and passed. Optimism was still there. I think the only time where it was slipping was when, you know, that weekend did pass and and they hadn't heard anything yet. And then the Gonzaga stuff started coming out and all that. But when I, when that final list happened, for whatever reason, there was a lot of optimism within the program. And then I don't know when that slipped, but but I remember um, the BYU stuff started leaking out late last night. Travis, you and I, you know, you called me, said, okay, I'm, you know, I think this might be an actual possibility that it's, that's BYU. You check with who you need to call, who you need to call. I'm going to call who I need to call. We'll, we'll try to figure this out. And then I contacted my guy at UK and they were like, yeah, we know it's not us. We, that's what we're thinking. We're thinking it's BYU. So long story short, short, there was a, a bunch of ups and downs. There's a roller coaster of confidence and, and, and who thought they had them and whatever, but Matt Harms is officially a uh, you know going to BYU, and now Kentucky is left with major major question marks in the front court, like serious question marks moving forward. And uh, now we get to talk about what the hell is going to happen. Nobody has any well, idea right now. Real quick, I talked to Aaron Gershon, who he blew up on Twitter on Wednesday night, I think it was, and or I can't remember if it was Tuesday or was I think yeah it was Wednesday. And because he had said that, so I'm gonna go through the whole timeline. I've already talked about all this stuff with him, like telling him I was go, uh, kind of put this stuff out there, like from his point of view too. So I posted this on Cats Illustrated last night. I said my timeline for this was the over the last week was that I talked to multiple people close to the Kentucky program that felt strongly about UK's chances from the beginning. Some even wording it as quote when we add harms. Aaron Gershon tweeted that Kentucky had landed a grad transfer for next season. Then that we should hear more in the coming days. I hit him up, and he told me uh, where he got the harms info from, and it was the same connection that gave him the info about Davion Mintz. We found that recruitment out at the same time, at around the same time before it was basic knowledge to the public. This optimism from the Kentucky program trickled down to myself and to others, which caused me to have, which caused me to more strongly, strongly believe in UK's chances. Aaron acknowledged that he should. I've worded the tweet better after the fact. The guy who told me that Harms would be announcing Thursday, which I put out there on Tuesday, told me that he wouldn't know a school until Wednesday night. He called me Wednesday night yesterday to tell me the news about BYU. This person isn't associated with UK, by the way. I just, uh, I don't think there was ever a quote flip. I think that it was just uh, some near the Kentucky program are overly optimistic without ever being told that he was a lock to come to Kentucky. BYU made a fantastic pitch to Harms. And at the same time, Kentucky made a fantastic pitch to Harms too. It just he felt like BYU was a better fit. I mean, look at the. I don't know if you guys were able to see the quotes that Harms released in the time since committing today. What shade. what weird quotes, man? I mean, really, really strange. He said, "I'm 23 years old. I don't care about how many." Pairs, uh, pairs of Nike shoes that you can give me or what your facilities look like. I care about relationship. And he said something like, my relationship with the BYU coaching staff was unbelievably awesome or something like that. He used the, the term awesome. But it just, I mean, it, it did kind of feel like a slight jab at Kentucky for kind of pitching the, oh, you can be at, at a high-profile school like like Kentucky, where you can, you know, be the celebrity on the, on campus. You can have these, you know, ridiculous, uh, you know, facilities and and play with the best of the best. And it seems like none of that stuff interested Harms at all. Like that was that couldn't have been more opposite of his personality. And we're going to get into that in a second. Um, in fact, we had a, a full interview with with the one of the lead beat writers over at the Purdue Rivals affiliate who talked to us about Matt Harms and didn't have a lot of glowing things to say about the guy, to be totally honest. I'm, I'm in, the, in the process of transcribing that interview, and I'm going to put it up on KSR. But 
we'll get into his personality and how people at Purdue, n- nobody thought that Kentucky was a great fit for him at all. So, um, you know, if we, we, in fact, let's just jump right into that right now. The over, like the overall consensus with Matt Harm's personality is that. Uh, David, I believe you put this out. I mean, last week even that 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 personality fit was never going to be a, a solid match. That people within the Purdue organization uh, program did not think that it was a, it was a good decision on his part to go to Kentucky. David, I want you to kind of go into what you know about that, and uh, I know you you talked to Brian over over at that. Uh, you know, Purdue affiliate as well, and we'll kind of go straight into what what we learned from from that um, there. Yeah, and and that probably uh, hit a nerve of our readers more than anything else, especially when word was out that it looked like he was going to go to Kentucky because people were saying, "Well, that's not true. Why would he have? He obviously doesn't have that type of personality if he was coming to Kentucky." Well. It turns out that he did have that type of personality. And, and like I said, we, we stand on everything you told us. And let me say this, Brian is one of the top uh, rivals basketball writers that, that there are in the whole network. He is highly respected. Uh, no axe to grind, very professional. And I also mentioned another name uh, that we've seen. Uh, uh, the article came out today. Um, but Mike DeCourcy actually kind of, uh, I think, modified it. He said that what he knew about uh, Matt, that Kentucky was not a fit, that was with Larry Vault. He's actually got his story up. We talked Saturday. Larry and I kind of shared some information, and uh, he had talked to Mike DeCourcy. I talked to Brian Newbert, and I also had another coach in the Big Ten. And I know I do some work on Minnesota. It wasn't Minnesota uh, who told me, and they weren't involved in recruitment, but he said, look, he's a very backwards kid. We've heard he might even go to Spain. He really doesn't – he doesn't have desire of what we've heard to play in the NBA. He's just not cut out for that. And um, so to get into that a little bit, Brian told me that he said, look, if I'm – and his words were to, to start out before he called me, he, he texted me and he said it will basically be – and I don't remember exactly, but basically like an ultimate disaster if he goes to Kentucky. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what it was. He said he'll get eaten alive. Those yeah. were the two words he used, eaten alive. And he said he needs to go somewhere off the grid. And the two schools he mentioned, he said he needs to go to Boston College or BYU. Yeah, that's right. And he just said somewhere that, he said off where he doesn't get the attention. He didn't want the fishbowl. And look, no, he's not a bad – people will look at this and say, well, he's a bad person. No, exact opposite. Uh, probably he's going to go to law school. Very intelligent. Just a great person. He doesn't – from what we've understood, he's, he's – intimidated by the alpha players, even teammates. And he told me, he said, look, and you probably have the same stuff, but he said Carson Edwards would give him a glare and just get all over him when he couldn't catch a post feed. And he said he got so nervous, he he got where he couldn't catch anything because he was tore up. Uh, The Indiana crowd had a chant going F you harms that really bothered him. He couldn't understand why they would do that. Uh, And he also said that, the, the junk talking his teams in the Big Ten last year were uh, Rutgers, Penn State, and I think he said Illinois. And uh, he said he had horrible games against all three. Guys got up in his face talking trash, and he just didn't play well against it. And, you know, like against Minnesota, we put up a video of when he first got contacted. He scored 26 on Daniel Oturu, who's going to – be drafted probably in the top 35, 30 to 35. And uh, Daniel's the nicest guy ever. Yeah. And plays well against those guys. So I just a whole private, doesn't like the attention, wouldn't like the fishbowl. It, it was not an on-the-court situation. I think he would have fit well on the court. A rim protector, 7-3, can stretch the floor, good pick and roll. I think he would have fit in great. Add depth, you know, and obviously it hurts Kentucky not getting him. But 
the question was going to be, John Calipari was going to have to do a lot of work to get him mentally and psychologically to be able to handle what comes from playing at Kentucky. I think the frustration doesn't even come from missing harms. I think that the frustration comes from being in the position that you have, that you're depending on a guy like harms or another grad transfer or a reclass guy. That's not one of the most elite guys in, uh, in high school basketball. The couple that have been named and linked to Kentucky that we'll get to here a little bit later. I think that it boils down to people, Kentucky fans cannot figure out why Kentucky cannot land an elite big man. And I think that, granted, we all know if Penny never went to Memphis, Wiseman was going to Kentucky. We all know that. But you still have to throw that into the mix. With You look at this long list of guys over the last five, six years, they're just, they're just these top big men are avoiding Kentucky like the plague. And, you, and then now on top of it, you lose a grad transfer. The UK thought that they had to BYU. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration within the fan base is coming from. If this had – if, if, let, me, let me throw – the last thing I want to say on it. I'm sorry, Jack. But let me throw this in because I don't know when we'll get another time to say it. I'm going to say to you what I said before we came on the show when you and I were talking. Um, two things, because Jack brought up the grad transfer out, and it's one of those deals to where it happened so sparingly that you, you're kind of reminded of it what you said you were going to do and what you weren't going to do when it happens again. But I go back to Kerry Blackshear, junior from last year, and this was Kerry Blackshear all over again. The only difference was instead of the Kentucky media getting burned, it was the Tennessee media that got burned last year. And it came (laughs) from the coaching staff on a Monday that this is the day, I think we may have talked about this uh, yesterday, that this is the day that he is going to sign with Tennessee. And you saw this stuff on Twitter from media. Great day to be a ball. Tennessee is scheduled to make a big addition today, and it never happened. And actually wasn't going to happen. And two days later, he committed to Florida. And Florida was kind of just off the beaten path. And Kentucky was too. But there was uh, there were those, and I know this for a fact, on the Kentucky staff that when – I came out and, and, and I got the message from Russ Wood in Orlando that, yeah, he's going to be a Florida Gator. And we talked about it yesterday. I, I was a nervous wreck for two hours until he made the <laughs> announcement that I got I got a message from a Kentucky staff member uh, when I used to have Facebook uh, that said, uh, why are you saying he's going to go to Florida? He's not going to go to Florida. Well, he did. Yeah. And that kind of brings me back to the other point. Number one – I'm not going to trust the, the the grad transfer route again because you just don't know. <laughs> These guys are media savvy. They've been around uh, just a, a horde of media for three years. They're not 16, 17-year-old kids that are know this is their one shot. And they like the limelight. And you just get taken down a rabbit trail. And, and I, I, I think we all need to remember that next time that they start talking about grad transfers. I think we're just better off staying back and, and just saying, hey, let's see what he got. He could tell you, let's see what happens. We don't know what's going to happen. And just wait till it does and then report it. Another thing, too, and and just kind of piggyback on what you said, Jack, uh, Kentucky, um, the coaches are always pretty optimistic that they're going to get players. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't I mean, think it's misleading. They've, they've earned they're it. They're just optimistic. And they've earned it. And you've got to be able to take that into context and not run, always run with that because uh, I can go back. I know when you first started, remember the Matthew Hurt deal. You, you, I think that's the first time you and I had ever spoken after you got the job was about Matthew Hurt. And, and, and they thought they had him. And – Eric Bossy was spending had spent days and days and days with a family in Minneapolis, and they never mentioned Kentucky. So, I, I just think I, I just think you, you've got to. They're going to tell you just because they're positive thinkers that they're going to get guys that they're not necessarily going to get. Yeah, I think that's if, the last I'll say about. It. <laughs> I think going back to Travis's point, I think the frustration of all of this. If this had happened right when the season ended or right at the beginning of the grad transfer, you know, frenzy, when 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 all that happened, if that is if it if it had happened back then and all of the options would you know, that 
are now gone were still available but available back then fans wouldn't necessarily care all that much about this loss i think it's just the timing of it given okay this was like the last the mass exodus this was the last guarantee that we had before having to really scrape the bottom of the barrel really you know get creative and and convince guys to reclass or see some late uh, grad transfer options or uh, wait for the immediate immediate transfer rule to potentially pass on on May twentieth. You know that that kind of stuff. I mean, if, if this had happened at the beginning, fans would go, "Okay, well, who's next? We'll just move on to the next guy." It's not that. I mean, it, it's not about who Matt Harms is as a player. I don't think fans were all that in love with who he was as a player. They just saw him as a necessity because he was like the last legitimate option that fans that. that Kentucky had and now we're kind of left scrambling with what's next so let's let's turn right I got a great direct message today from basketball Benny and I forgot all about it and he said do you think they're regretting passing on or or cooling off on Clifford Omarui dude we all said if they want him they got him and and uh that they'd probably love to have him now but you know that that, I I forgot there's been so many posts go through and not come here that I've forgotten all about it. I, I, I told you guys from the start, I was a big cliff fan. I knew he was a big, you know, he was very raw and it would be a process. He was a project big, but I mean, could you imagine having a top 45 type player right now? Uh, uncommitted, ready to, you know, ready to sign that was dying to come to Kentucky. I'm sure can I'm sure the coaching staff would have loved to to seal the deal on that one and and go back in time and and change that. So let's let's look now that all of those those other options are gone. Let's see what's left. What does Kentucky have left to to kind of work with and and potentially sign to close out this just uh, to, to close out this roster. So the big name that we have all been kind of talking about was VCU transfer Marcus Santos Silva. Um, who, I mean, six foot seven, 250 pounds. He was the leading scorer for VCU, really talented. You know, he's a, you know, below the basket, you know, kind of a, a big butt type guy that, that, you know, really probably could have had a, a pretty solid, pretty solid year at, at, at Kentucky, but that very quickly um, kind of, you know, brushed over pretty fast considering UK did not reach out to him. Um, and then last night I talked to somebody within the program to see if that was kind of the backup option. And uh, that's not an option. They, they, they said that it's, they think the ship has sailed with that, that um, I think the, the leader right now is probably Arizona state if I had to guess, but it was, I think he's so far along in his recruitment that getting in right now uh, was, it, it, it wouldn't do them any good. I don't think that they make up enough ground to, to seal the deal with him. So, I think they. And I don't know. Do you need a six, seven, two hundred and fifty pound? It's yeah. Guy it, I mean, they're already overloaded to four. They they got to have the rim protecting five. That's that was part of the reason why they never reached out initially. I mean, now could you, they use him? Either, yeah, probably. But you either have to have a rim protecting five, or you have to just sell out and go small ball. Like he's hinted, like people around the program have hinted, like he wants to do, but he will not make the full jump, and. I think that next year could be the year, but I mean, until I see Cal Perry roll out small ball lineups consistently, I'm not going to believe it. Yeah. And in fact, today, Marcus Santos, Santos Silva cut his list of six and did not include Kentucky. So I think the writing is on the wall for that to, 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 you know, basically assume that he is not going to be uh, that final option for Kentucky. So what is out there? What, what do we know? So, the the I think there's a list of let's say five names, six names or so that we can kind of look at. The first, I think we can all brush aside, uh, is Kai Soto, um, top 25 kid. He visited Kentucky or top 75 kid. I mean, uh, he visited Kentucky on an unofficial. Um, kind of you know really kind of went dark. Nobody really knew what the latest was with his with his recruitment. The latest buzz right now has been 100% pros. Um, I think he's he's in talks with that G League potentially that that they might look at him for for one of those G League spots. So 
I don't. Th- I think he's going to try to go pro. I don't think he's a legitimate option. Um, and then from there, things get pretty interesting. Uh, in the 2020 class right now, uh, I believe it was just reported that UK reached out to Frank Anslem, um, who played a prolific prep. That's where Jalen Green plays right now, or played right um, th- for his senior year. Top 100, 125 level prospect. Really not all that impressive. I mean, that's literally scraping the bottom of the barrel. They could have had J.J. Trainer if they wanted to get a, a guy of his caliber, but that is an option. Um, guy, both I was of- just, I just received a text that said, um, not likely to remain in the 2020 final rankings, and they ranked the top 150, and that LSU, Alabama, and Georgia all just took a hard pass. Huh. Whoa, <laughs> big oof. Hmm. Okay. So um, another guy that's been a rumored 2021 reclass guy. I talked to his guardian last night. He's a he's a big body, automatic rebounding and rim protection in the paint, but if you're depending depending on consistent scoring right away, probably not a top option. That's uh Frank Kepname. Um he's a top thirty kid in the class of twenty twenty one. Originally, whenever I talked to his guardian, they said that it was big to him and his family to graduate because Frank's foreign. Uh, like he really wants to walk across the stage. And then I texted him a couple weeks ago after the COVID-19 stuff. And he said about the, the new reclass rule. And he said that uh, it's definitely something we're going to be keeping an eye out on. But I talked to him last night and he said that Kentucky has not reached out to Frank and them in terms of a reclass option. Uh, one person they did reach out to is Efton Reed, who's a top 25 kid in 2021. Um, somebody, I, I confirmed that last night. Somebody, somebody, uh, you know, within the UK program told me that that was a an option that they're exploring. I think he is probably leaning toward reclassifying to 2020, but I don't know how much of a realistic option it is because UK. Um, is a step behind in in that recruitment. I think I think the the I think Virginia. He's from Virginia. I think Virginia has has been around for a long time. They've been recruiting him hard. I think some. I think he has like five schools on his list that he's been um, that have been really really hard after him for a while. That are that I'd probably put ahead of Kentucky, barring I mean unless UK goes all in on him and says you know you're a necessity. We need you. Things could change there, but I don't know the level of confidence UK has in him as a potential option. Um, Musa Cisse, we've talked about him a bunch on the podcast. He's a top 15 prospect, um, one of the best shot blockers in all of high school basketball, regardless of class. I think the general consensus right now is that LSU is the leader for him, and Florida State is kind of looming as that secondary option. Um, Kentucky might be third or fourth in that recruitment, but definitely not you know one or two to you know, make you feel confident that they could – seal the deal. I think his dad just gave a quote that said that they were not leaning toward reclassifying, even though all the latest rumors said that he's going to, uh, he's going to ultimately make that jump. So that'll be an interesting he's one. He's young. One to anyway, watch. before all that started, I talked to his high school coach back in the fall. Um, and he had just got down to Lausanne and he was like, man, he's young. You know, he, he's true age. He's barely 16 years old as a junior and he said just reclassing just wouldn't be smart. And that made sense. But, you know, then you look at everything that comes with it. So when they started talking reclass, I was a little bit surprised by it because the original things they were saying while they would stay made sense. But we learned yesterday, man, this, this stuff don't always make sense. Well, yeah. like, I don't know if I mentioned on here before, I, I have documents uh, that Jack's seen before from different events that, on one event, the one that I have, he has he wrote down his age and he was 16. He is still 16. And then there was a um, document released for another event, and it was a different day and a different year where he's now 17. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a little gray area. There, yeah. But, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll go, go ahead, Dave. <laughs> While we're on this, <laughs> I, uh, there was a, a player that that he he transferred this year, and uh, I was just kind of snooping around a little bit and talked to a buddy of mine that was AAU coach, and and, and he said, <laughs> I said, you know, do you think Kentucky might reach out? They said, no, nah, you know, he's twenty four. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I I didn't realize how common 
the age <clears throat> was. Until there's a couple kids not going to Kentucky that I know. Hey, international kids, man. Yeah. Internationals. It's like the wild, wild west of like determining actual age for some of them. I think Serge Ibaka is like 45. Whenever it comes down to it, I think that Kentucky fans were spoiled early on in the Cal era. And now I think that when you have to go for guys like this, it says something about the state of your program, the constant uh, revolving door of guys like EJ Montgomery should not even be thinking about the NBA. Right. But because I leave, UK is in a position like they are right now, scrambling to get guys that, um, like David was just saying, Frank Anselm is not going to be a top 150 guy that they're reaching out for. And you expect him to bring him in and be a three, four year guy, but those three, four year guys that you want to bring in either transfer or they leave early when they shouldn't. And it's just, I think it's catching up. Yeah. It's, it's not, I, I, Kentucky is still the best recruiting team in, in the, in, in the NCAA. Like, they got two top five guys, but because of the roster management, you're at risk of possibly wasting the talent of those two guys next year because you can't fill common role players around them. Kentucky can't even get role players. Yeah, like a guy like like, like Oscar Sheboy last year, or uh, you know, <laughs> Kofi uh, Cochran, Kofi, or yeah. Cliff Amaruri, like we talked about, or just somebody, anybody. Yeah. The, that, yeah, those level those level of players should be two, three, four year players at Kentucky, but they have now since become one or two year players. And if they are those, they feel that they're left behind and need to transfer out or well, go to the draft. It used to be like if you're a first round guarantee, you went. Or if you start off like if you're a lottery guarantee, you went. Then it was a first round guarantee, you went. Now it's like, can I get a two way deal? All right, I'm going. Like, yeah, it's. <laughs> It's not moving in the right direction. Will they even call, will they pick up the phone and call me? All right, I'm good. Again, like, yeah, it's it, it's it's just crazy. So we've talked about um, so the reason why we kind of had an abrupt. So David lost signal. So I don't know if he's going to be able to jump back in. Um, but we only have one person to talk about left in terms of known public options right now. We've talked about Santos Silva. We've talked about Kai Soto. We've talked about Frank Anslem. We talked about Efton Reed. We talked about Musa Cisse. The last guy that everybody talks about that we've talked about over and over and over again. We've had him on the show to ask him personally. We've reached out to him, Paolo Banchero. Um, everybody, I mean, in an ideal world, Yes, that is how you close out this class. I mean, that that'd be that'd be the perfect option. But for a guy that has just relentlessly shut down reclass rumors over and over again, has no interest whatsoever. I know we've said on this over and over again, why, you know, what what does he have left at the high school level that he you know, cares about so much, you know, AAU season's done. Um, you know, th- he's not getting the end of this current school year. He's sitting at home right now taking online classes. So he's not even living, you know, that side of things. We don't know about if his high school season, you know, bas- basketball season is going to be back by, you know, when, when basketball season starts back up for him. Like there's so many questions up in the air that, you know, it would make so much sense for him to just say, you know what, screw it. I can be once, to, you know, even if the college basketball season is delayed or there's no fans allowed or whatever the situation is, I can at least be one step closer to reach my NBA dreams. And, you know, be, and, and just, to ha- I mean, it, it, it makes a lot of sense for us, but we don't so, know what's yeah, going through his head. Well, you just said that perfectly. I think that um, Kentucky fans can be a little bit overbearing at times with, what makes sense for Kentucky mm-hmm. yes. and yes. it's a kid being a kid and whatever kid thinks is the best for him. Like Matt Harms didn't think Kentucky was the best fit for him. Like UK thought that would be the best fit for him. I yep. thought out of his final schools that it was going to be the best fit for him. Kentucky thought it was going to be the best fit for him. He didn't think so. And a lot, there's some people, it's a small fraction of the fan base, but it's a, it's a loud fraction that thinks that if it's not the Kentucky way, that it doesn't make sense. You're stupid. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah, so as of today, Paolo is not reclassifying to 2020. Um, although, if you're Kentucky right now, you look at that situation and you go, dude, I know what you've said over and over again. I understand completely. I get it. I know you want to you know, live out your senior year. I know you want to have fun with your kids or with your friends and, and all of that. But 
you would be a starter today. I mean, the the, the staff thought that he would have started on this past year's team, let alone yeah. this year's team or the year after. This is a college ready player that could start See, for Kentucky guys, immediately. Guys with his, guys with his skill set, though, if he comes to Kentucky right now, he's going to be playing the five. Unless Kentucky changes his offensive system, the five isn't doesn't fit his strengths. It, unless he's going to, because he is a better version, a higher ceiling version of sophomore PJ Washington, mm-hmm. in my opinion, more versatile. Handle the ball, can shoot the outside jump shot, and can play inside. But if Kentucky's running the horn set, uh, the circle set things like that, he's going to be on the block, and that doesn't fit what he wants to do at the college level. Like, Kentucky would have to tinker with things if that was an option, which, once again, I don't think he's reclassifying until he lets up on the um, I'm not reclassifying card. I'm not even going to like thank him as option. Yeah, he he's one of those guys that you know there there are other guys like Musa Cisse. When when Musa Cisse's dad says, "Oh, we're not lean," you know, we, I don't know where that came from. We're not leaning that. Everybody and their mother saying that that he's very likely going to reclass to 2020, and he hasn't been as adamant as long. If that makes sense, Musa Cisse, if he were to reclass today, I would go, okay, yeah, that makes total sense. For how adamant Paolo has been for so long, it's not like Marvin Bagley, uh, you know, who kind of said, "Oh no, I can't do it." But he he had Peach Jam in mind. He only wanted to he wanted one more year of Peach Jam before reclassifying. You know, guys like that, they say it over and over again. You're like, okay, yeah, I I, I get it, but I know that it's still a possibility for you. Paolo has made sure that people know that it is not a possibility for him right now, that he is not even remotely. Even behind right the now. scenes, he's saying that like to people that it's not even on record. He's saying that. Yeah. And I think people within the Kentucky program know that as well. But like you said, like if you want to throw one last pitch in there, then follow me. Go for it. Same thing with Greg Brown. If you want to, nobody at Kentucky expects Greg Brown to pick Kentucky, but you're at the point where <laughs> You're look, you're desperate anyway. So, I mean, you might as well <laughs> at least put one more pitch in there. You know, I think I would be surprised if Kentucky's still talking to Greg Brown. Yeah, I mean, that, from what people I've talked, that's something that unless that, it's a complete one thousand percent smokescreen, that, and they don't want anything out. There, there's people around the program adamant, like, no, he's not coming. I mean, so. I would, I would love to be wrong on that. Like, if there's one time I've, I I could be wrong in my life, this is the this is the option because I love Greg Brown as a player. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna be a very very talented. I don't know how he would fit with this current team. I think he's gonna have the exact same role that Keon Brooks is gonna have this year. Um, it's kind of a weird fit. I don't know. You know, I think UK would be much better off with a true five. Once again, Kentucky would have to go five out. Yeah, but at that point, why not? You know, I don't know. It's UK is not expecting Greg Brown to commit tomorrow. Um, I don't think Greg Brown is expecting to commit to Kentucky tomorrow. Um, so I, I don't think fans should should be even anticipating that as a possibility. But if we're wrong, I'd love to be wrong because the options. I'd much rather have right. that than a Frank Anslem. Right now, I think that Kentucky needs to be counting all their lucky stars and putting those stars toward the one-time tra- like transfer rule to pass for this season. Because I feel like that's the only way that 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 this is going to turn into a net positive after missing harms. If okay, say so, UK misses harms. UK misses on Greg Brown tomorrow. UK misses on Santos Silva. They miss on Paolo doesn't reclass. Musa Cisse goes to LSU. They're not in love with um, with Efton Reed. All those options are gone. What a gift it would be for Luke Gar- Luca Garza to say, you know, I've done all I can at Iowa. I've you know I was a national player of the year can, you know, candidate. I you know, I was a superstar at that level. My spotlight could, you know, my stardom could not get any bigger at Iowa. Why not explore my options? To get a guy like that at the 11th hour would be the ultimate dream scenario for Kentucky. I think that is, 
if they if they strike out on all these options, I think that they are going to be rooting like absolute hell for that May twentieth vote to work in their favor for the immediate transfer rule to happen. Because at this point, I think the options are very, very, very limited. I mean, they would have to come. They would have to completely, completely revamp what what they're doing next year. Sign a you know if they can't get a five to reclass, get a you know get a star wing or something like that, a reclass, and then go 100% small ball next year or something something completely different of, you know, go five out, whatever, something completely different of what they're used to because what what's out there right now is just not enough, I don't think. I've heard for a, a few weeks now that if this was passed for this year, this one-time transfer rule, that Kentucky's going to just absolutely go balls to the wall for some a couple of guys, even whenever they thought they were going to get harms, like that they were going to try to fill out a roster with a straight-up transfer. And you're not predicting uh, Luca Garza that's in Kentucky, are you? Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, no, could you imagine? But, but if there is. But, that would be the perfect. That would be the dream scenario, right there. That's the see, one. Once again, like you said, though, like I'm gonna play devil's advocate here and play the the UK blue tinted goggles uh, opinion on what they should do. Like I was gonna be a top 10, 15 team next year if, if he returns. He's he's comfortable there. He's already won Player of the Year awards there. And granted, Kentucky gives you a bigger spotlight, but apparent like it's obvious looking at big men over the past few years outside of Reed Travis. Um, Reed Travis wasn't Luca Garza, though. Um, that the shine has kind of seemed to war, worn off of the big men to UK connection that once was. The, like, pick and choose, hey, top center, top power forward, top five guy, you're coming to Kentucky. Which like, makes no sense. UK never had to go through reclasses and grad transfers early on in the Cal Perry era to fill out a roster. They were getting the top guys in that class. Well, isn't it crazy to think that UK has eight guys signed for next year that are that, that are new additions and they're still scrambling to fill a roster. Isn't that just freaking nuts like that eight new additions? You, you remember when that 2013 recruiting class with with Julius Randle and the Harrison Twins and James Young and all those guys. I remember when they signed eight that year. It was either seven or eight. I think it was eight. That I remember thinking, there is no way that UK could ever sign this many guys in one offseason ever again. Like there's just there's no there's no scenario where you could lose this many pieces to need to replace them all. And go figure just what Five six years later, after that, I don't even don't even remember know how many years that is, but just that few years later, we're already in that position right now where we're looking for a ninth addition to this class. It's just absurd, just insane. I mean, it's it's good. I mean, it's it's good that we have that many players that want to come to Kentucky, but it is it is just bizarre that we're at number eight, looking for number nine, and see it as a make or break piece for Kentucky for next year. I mean, just insane. So fans um, root for Paolo to change his mind. Like a lot of 17 year old kids do root for uh, maybe Jonathan Kaminga says, you know what? I want to be the next, you know, he posted that little TikTok video of him saying that he wants to be a Kentucky. Maybe Jonathan Kaminga is the answer. I don't know, but the UK staff has to get creative at this point. Things are, I just don't. I don't see Frank Anselm being the answer. I don't see Kai Soto being the answer. I don't. You know, I haven't hated what I saw from Efton Reed, but I don't think that's the the immediate answer for Kentucky. Musa Cisse might be, but I think to close this thing out, it has to be a a high profile addition. I do. The the thing that kills me, well, not really kills me, but people understand, they're constantly saying that Cal Perry's got a plan. Cal Perry. Like not going to get caught with his pants down, or whatever. That might be true. Kentucky might come out prettier on the other side of this than they were if they got Matt Harms. Right. But as of last night and as of today, people that you and I have talked to around the Kentucky program, they're scrambling. <laughs> like they're no doubt they're, about it. They're they're literally like trying to piece this together. Um, I, yeah, I don't really know where the next turn is going to come. But like I said, if I'm Kentucky. I'm at least holding one scholarship 
for that May 20th boat? That's the answer. I think th- I think that is that might be just the the perfect answer for Kentucky and and just kind of open up those options. I mean, just to, to just to be to to choose from this select six or whatever it is, and basically look at all of them and go either it's the Palos of the world that we have little to no chance of getting to reclass, or the Frank Anslems of the world that you go, are we really at the point right now where this is? our answer to close out the the class. Like, I mean, the, the, the polar opposites between those two, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. So I, I, a guy, like, I, like I said, a 2021 guy that I, I would like UK to reach out for just because of the size, the rebounding, the rim protection as Frank kept name. Yeah. I think that he would be a good fit. Uh, he's got, not going to be an automatic offensive production guy, but he could be a two year guy and he's six, six, 10, six, 11, like 240 pounds. He's muscular, strong, grabs boards with two hands. I'd he pref- would have a role on that. I'd prefer him over Efton Reed for sure. I, I definitely would. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting. Very, very interesting to see how how they get creative and close this thing out because they they they're going to earn their paychecks for sure. It's it's going to be a, a a very it's they're going to need to get creative on how they piece together this final roster and and uh, you know find that perfect touch to to close this thing out. So. With that, let's uh, close our thing out. Uh, Travis, where can fans find your work? You can find me on Cats Australian Rivals Network alongside David Sisk, and you can find me on Twitter at TravGraph underscore Rivals. And you can also find my podcast on Twitter at CatScanPod or find the CatScan podcast on any podcast uh, network. We're going to be releasing a new episode tomorrow talking about the basketball stuff, uh, Courtney Magwood's football, uh, Chauncey Magwood's football commitment other things so check that out and i know we lost david but you can find him on twitter at coach david sisk uh find his work with, alongside travis at over at cats illustrated he puts out a bunch of good stuff they do a bang up job over there follow them subscribe and uh you can look at you can find my stuff at kentucky sports radio.com uh, on twitter at jack pilgrim ksr and via email jpilgrim at kentucky sports radio.com with that we, we will be back next week for another jam-packed source to say podcast and we will see you then. Oh, <laughs>